When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zoo. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Jim Harbaugh spoke with the media about the 2021 Michigan football team. We break down the most important of his comments and where things stand with just a few weeks until the start of the season. Coming up on Wolverine Confidential. That's right. I am Andrew Kahn and I am back. Good to be talking with you guys, Ryan and Aaron, and our many listeners out there. Uh, you guys said I was on paternity leave. I realize that you know confused some people, rightfully so. Congratulating me on my new baby, but uh, in reality, our you know M Live uh, allows us to take it uh, within uh, within a year of within the child's first year. So I, I work backwards from, from the first birthday. So my, my second just turned turned one, and now now I'm done. I'm back. Back on the we, we didn't know if you were going to come back. To be honest with you, <laughs> it was it was a while. You know, uh, Ryan was was handling those intros like a pro. And you know, as I started writing this one, I was like, man, why? I mean, Ryan's got, Ryan seems to get has it, but we'll see how many listeners we have back now that you're back on the pod. I wonder if our our listenership will will increase now. Skyrocket on back. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned in the intro. Jim Harbaugh uh, spoke with, I can't say us, I was not there. You guys were, I've, I've since watched it on video. It was outside. Yes. They, they didn't. Outside. Yeah. Almost like a training camp feel. It was kind of cool. I thought. Yeah. Why not on a, on a nice day. And of course, you know, with COVID protocols, that, that was kind of the impetus for that. But yeah, Jim Harbaugh looked, uh, you know, on camera at least, you know, looked, looked a little different. I thought, you know, in his face, he's just looking more and more like his dad, but you know, he commented on it. What did he say? He's back down to his playing weight or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. You know, before we even started talking to him on Friday afternoon, we were talking with other reporters. We were trying to figure out when was the last time he spoke to the beat media, beat the beat writer contingent, mm-hmm. you know, in person. And we were, we figured it was like Ohio state week of 2019. Um, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't done anything in person since obviously we've spoken to him over zoom and, you know, video conference calls and the like. And he did spoke, speak to a couple of us um, up over the summer up at Ferris State at the football camp. But as a you know, beat writer contingent at Schembechler Hall in Ann Arbor, it was the first time in a, a long time. And yeah, he looked really good. He looked thin. He looked trim. Uh, like he's been working out quite a bit. Like he, he used the, uh, you know, the off, or off season, COVID, whatever you want to say, is, you know, to his, uh, to his uh, you know, I guess, benefit. benefit. Yeah, yeah. He put the time to good use. Hopefully his team did as well. New look, same boring hardball though when he was at the podium. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't <laughs> give us a ton. We'll get into what he said and everything else. 
Um, yeah. He does seem reju- re- rejuvenated. And I know we say this, like, I feel like every all season, like he seems like he's well-rested and he's ready to go. There, there's something different this year. And I, I can't, I haven't been able to pinpoint it. And other writers have said it too. I think some said it, you know, when we were in Indianapolis at Big Ten Media Days. Um, but he, he does seem like, in, in some ways, his, his old self when he first got here, which is, you know, if you're looking for, you know, a little bit of optimism to kind of latch on to, maybe that's something. I don't know. All right. Well, yeah, he kind of, you know, he broke down the, the roster to a certain extent. And I'm going to start with the most important position on the field, quarterback, because, you know, he has, there's times where he's kind of, I guess he's kind of become famous in a way for like not releasing a depth chart and not naming starters. But I don't know, that can be blown out of proportion a little bit. There, there are times where, yes, it's been kind of clear who it is. And, you know, he hasn't really hid that person. And then I guess this is one of those years, like he, he's, maybe never going to say, yep, he's, he's starting week one because things can change between now and then you never know with injuries or whatever, but like, you didn't really have to even read between the lines in this case to know that Cade McNamara is the starting quarterback for Michigan. Yeah. And if you, if you take everything at face value from what the assistants have said, and you know, up to this point, I mean, this, it shouldn't be a shocker. I mean, quarterbacks coach Matt Weiss said in late April, he called Cade McNamara their starter. Um, you know, so like that was the expectation coming into, into the, into the summer and then into fall camp. And when we spoke to Jim on Friday, which was the end of the first week of, of training camp, uh, Jim basically said, nothing has changed. Eight is ahead of JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy apparently is ahead of Alan Bowman. And that's how things stand at this point. Um, but you're right. He, he has stopped short of declaring Kate McNamara, the starter for the opener against Western Michigan. But all indications point to him. He's gonna be. He's gonna line up behind center. He will be the guy. Um, you know, I think some of us were hesitant coming into camp to necessarily declare Cade the guy when, you know, you've, you've got JJ there, the five-star guy. But the wild card, obviously, in all this was the grad transfer, Alan Bowman, who we've discussed in the past. I mean, he's the most experienced guy. He's done at the big time level. You just didn't know if he had enough time. Um, to, to, you know, try and, and, and match what, what Cade was, was showing. Um, but at this point, it sounds like the coaching staff is most confident Cade. At, at this point, they're, I think they're going to roll the ball out there with him and see. Now, that's not to say, trouble, you know, Cade is going to be the guy the entire season. He's obviously going to have to go out there and prove it and, and play well. Um, but I think for the first time, in, and look, you know, Joe was named the starter going into last year too early, kind of around this similar time. Joe was obviously declared the guy. Um, but I think Michigan's, in, and we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, Michigan's in a very different position from their quarterback situation. It's better. They're more prepared. They've got more, um, just more experience back there. So I think they got to be more, they got, they have to feel confident in what they have right now. I think. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Harbaugh's asked about the quarterbacks and he, he, he mentions McNamara and then, you know, he talks about what McCarthy is, is, is bringing um, in practice. And then he just, you know, Bowman and, and, and Valari just kind of get, you know, dumped in there at the very end. I mean, if there was any surprise, I guess it was, it was that as it related to Bowman, I don't, maybe not for you guys, but you know, all right, Brad, tran- you know, transfer comes in you know, you figure, cause it's, he thinks he's, he's got a shot at this thing and he's, he's kind of, I don't know, mentioned almost as an, as an afterthought, like he's, he's really not in the mix to start right now. I think the problem for him is he just, he's got here too late. And, mm-hmm. and that's not to say if he didn't get here in the spring, Bring that he be the starter or be in the competition for the starting job, but you have to think the gap would be closed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Allen just simply hasn't had time to work with the, work with his teammates. You know, get the the coaching staff or excuse me, work the coaching staff, learn the playbook, and he's 
by by default, he's behind the eight ball here. So um, this is Cade's job to lose. I said this a couple of weeks ago. He's going to be the guy. Um, JJ, clearly the Michigan coaching staff really likes. They like his talent, his raw ability. And, and Jim has kind of hinted the last week or so that the light ball was starting to come on for him. He's starting to, they're, they're trying to get a, the point across to JJ that he doesn't have to do everything. He doesn't have to make every single play. He can distribute the ball and let other people do it. Um, because it sounds like in high school, you know, they, they won a lot and the like, but JJ was used to being the playmaker and the guy and making the big play. And, and they're trying to ham, hammer home the point that he doesn't have to do that at this level. He doesn't have to do that at Michigan. Just, just play within the confines of our offense and it'll happen to you. And I think it sounds like it's starting to come on for JJ. Problem is the timing. He just doesn't, you know, there's two weeks until they start preparing for the opener. Um, now, that's not to say JJ won't play this year. He may. Um, but at this point, they feel most confident in what they have at Cape Mac. I think at this point, too, I mean, I know Alan Bowman hasn't been much, mentioned much, but I would have to guess that he would be the, the number two to go in come uh, September 4th, that he would be the, the first guy off the bench if, if, if Katie either struggled or if an injury happened. Uh, I, I think that's still a lot of pressure to put on J.J. McCarthy at this point. Um, I guess we don't really know. We haven't. I mean, everyone's been so focused on who the starter is, and, and we haven't focused on who would be number two at this point, but. I think with with Bowman's experience, he'll he'll probably with as he gets accustomed to this offense, kind of take over that number two role. But again, we'll see. And there's always the the issue of the redshirt. Like, what do you do with JJ's redshirt? I mean, he's he can play in four games this year, and he probably will get in four games, whether it's late in a blowout or you know some miscellaneous snaps at the end of games. But like, are they gonna are they gonna play him more than that this year? Are they gonna try and use that this year with JJ? And and that may come into a factor here if if injury were to come up with with Cade it's a good point Ryan do you throw in Bowman instead or do you roll with what you have with with JJ and I think that's going to really be determined as as we kind of move forward and what they see out of JJ in practice if they if he can really make that step and close that gap with Cade because that's the unknown question here I've asked Jim Harbaugh this a couple of times now and haven't gotten a straight answer either time but how close is the gap between JJ and, and Cade because if it's close then it's like you, you probably feel comfortable enough to throw J.J. in a pressure, high-pressure situation or you know make him the outright number two in, in a game. Uh, but if it's wide and you still, you still want J.J. to learn, you want him to get more time learning and get the offense down, then they may be hesitant about throwing him into a game this, this year, especially in a high-pressure situation. So it's going to be very fascinating to see what happens, not only with, with Kate, obviously, this year, but what happens behind him, too. I also wonder how many five-star quarterbacks actually, I mean, I feel like not many would stay for five years regardless of where they go to. So I don't know how much of a, of a big deal that is these schools these days when they bring in high-level recruits. I think, all right, what's the likelihood they stay for four years even? Probably not very high. So might as well get them in, into a game early on or some games early on, get their feet wet and, and build them for the future um, and go from there. But, yeah, that's, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be fascinating to see what happens. I mean, like they said, even if they they get up big on Western Michigan or Northern Illinois, like what who do they throw in at the quarterback position? Because obviously you're probably not going to want Kate in there in a forty point game or, or something like that. So we'll see. All good points. Harbaugh talked about let's say he talked about the wide receivers. He talked about the offensive line. He he didn't talk about as many guys on defense. I feel like as on offense, you know, it could be just the nature of people's interest or you know Harbaugh's background or whatever. Um, but, I mean, we can go in a number of different ways with, with where we go next. I'll, I'll let you guys tell me what, what else, I guess, stood out or was their position group, um, you know, that you want to you discuss a little more in depth. 
I guess we can go. I mean, receivers receivers are fine. I mean, yeah. he didn't bring it up a ton, but I think the top question with receivers is like who steps into that number two, number three role. Jim did say whether it was media days or it was it was the Friday, I can't remember, but he's basically identified that uh, Ronnie Bell is obviously the top receiver. He's their leading pass catcher coming back. He's their leading, their highest productivity guy. They 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 know they can rely on him. But then Cornelius Johnson seems to have emerged from the rest of the group. He's going to be their number two. He'll probably be their more outside option. Ronnie Bell will probably fill the slot a little bit more as we've seen in the past. But beyond that, who else who else steps up? And I think that's what they're looking for. They've got a huge group of of guys with potential, as we like to talk about, but haven't shown a ton. So you got Mike Sandra still. You've got Roman Wilson. you got you got a group of guys there who, I mean, like they, they think they have a lot of potential in and haven't played a ton. And they're going to get opportunities this year, just be, by default, with with Giles Jackson out and no longer there. Like, who else steps up? Because, look, they're going to throw the ball. I mean, how, how much they do remains to be seen. But Cade McNamara has shown that he can make that play on the, on the run and with receivers. And you feel more comfortable with him in the pocket throwing the football, I think, than you did with Joe Milton last year. Still going to have to get a bunch of guys involved. I think they're going to try to do that. Um, it's just a matter of who else who else steps up there. Um, so it, it's it's going to be interesting. They had a group of young guys too. I mean, AJ Henning is obviously in there too. They're, so they're going they're going to kind of have to wait and see here. And I think Jim Harbaugh he mentioned this at some point last week, but I, I think he's he's curious to see who who steps up there too. Um, you know, Michigan. Josh Gass was asked about this a few weeks or yeah a few weeks back about the run game. He felt like they didn't run the ball enough last year, so I expect them to run the football a lot more this fall. So that's probably going to take away from some of the, you know, the, obviously the throws and the, and the throwing passing game. Um, but it's still going to be important. They're going to have to be balanced. Uh, they're going to have to be able to move the football, especially in third and long situations. And I think who steps up that third receiver spot is going to be interesting too. And I mean, I think there's other ways to kind of utilize many of those receivers in, in the run game too. I know AJ Henning in high school, he ran a lot of sweeps and, and screens and stuff like that. We'll see if maybe they, implement some plays like that for him at, at Michigan. And then for me, the Andrew Anthony, I mean, when we spoke to who was a Brad Hawkins the other day too, and he said, he's already one of the three fastest receivers on the team. Um, and, and Jim Harbaugh kind of noted uh, on Friday that he's making big play, a big play nearly every practice. I mean, Michigan hasn't been shy about using true freshmen and playing true freshman receivers in the two years. Gattis has been there. Is there a way that he can leapfrog some of these, Older guys and, and carve out a role, I, I don't know, but it was kind of telling to see that he, he's making plays and practices uh, too fresh. Andrell was a guy whose name I heard about back in spring when Michigan had their closed practice scrimmage, whatever you want to call it, in the big house. Andrell apparently made a couple of big plays there. Like he, he did had a really good game. Um, and so he's he's someone who sounds like he's been consistently putting together big play after big play. So you, you have to think they're going to throw him in there at some point, whether it's at receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as like a kickoff returner, punt returner. They're going to have to utilize him, his speed and his his athleticism in some way. I, I have to think this fall. Well, I, I don't know if that's be a receiver or somewhere else, but like his name keeps coming up. And when, when you when you when you hear that and you know and you hear his speed, I mean they have to find a way to utilize him. So I, I would be not would not be surprised if you see him on the field week one in, in some spots. And and he's taller than some of these other guys too. I mean at six foot two, he he has a little bit more size than the. AJ Henning and Mike Sandra Stills and Roman Wilson's out there too. So um, we'll, we'll see if that, that plays any factor. Yeah. Harbaugh mentioned, you know, kind of a, a group of six there with Cornelius Johnson, Ronnie Bell, Mike Sandra Still, Roman Wilson, AJ Henning, Dalen Baldwin, 
and then he did he did lump in at the end uh, a- anthony uh, sometimes i wonder with him he's, is he just listing off basically <laughs> everyone on scholarship though and it's definitely not every scholarship receiver there's at least one or two others out there but Jim's notorious for doing that for like every position. We'll, we'll ask about a guy and then they'll talk about him for a little bit. And then he'll lump in three, four, five other guys that also play his position, not leave anyone out. It's like, all right. I mean, uh, well, uh, yeah. What, I don't know, like how much do you weigh, weigh on what he says, you know? Right. Yeah, right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's those, all those guys are going to catch passes at some point, but you know, you're only going to have, yes, you're, you're going to have your clear kind of one, two, three, four, you know, who, who are those guys that are going to, are going to, you know, rise to the top and, you know, you, you guys just gave some indications on who those will be. The offensive line, um, again, maybe not anything like super new that came out of it, but he, he kind of did reveal here are the guys that are, they're in the, the too deep and, you know, what he liked specifically about it was there's some interchangeable parts there and there's, there's more than, you know, one guy at each, each spot, you know, some versatility and some, some depth, you know, what's the ceiling for this group maybe is, is a, is a more important question or, or concerning, I guess, issue. But uh, yeah. What did you take away from what he said about the, the offensive line? Jim basically said he felt like they've got nine or 10 guys that can play. So that's mm-hmm. a legitimate, I think too deep. You know, he was asked a question about Greg Crippen, the, the true freshman offense plan came in, in January and he was raving about him. He felt like Crippen's involved in the, in the, in the too deep. And then he kind of, turn that question into a discussion about the offensive line or his feeling about the offensive line. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, you're right. Nothing has changed per se. They have, they've identified three starters on uh, Ryan Hayes, Andrew Stuber, Zach Zinter. Um, we know where Hayes is going to play. We don't necessarily know where Stuber and Zinter are going to play, but I think where they end up putting Zinter is going to determine a lot because then it's going to sh- potentially shift Stuber. And then you might see a, you know, a, a younger guy fill in the right tackle spot. So it, it sounds like Michigan's offensive line is going to play a little bit faster this year. It sounds like um, they're, they're, they're going to do some different things. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if you see different combinations of guys in there, depending on the situation and the defense they're going up against and what they're trying to run offensively. Uh, it's going to get real interesting. And I'm curious to see the, the philosophy and the game planning Sharon Moore kind of puts into this because while Sharon is obviously coaching the offensive line, he is now also co-offensive coordinator. And part of that is coordinating the run game. So he's going to be in charge of kind of the run plays and alignment and how they go about this. So it's going to be interesting. It's, it's kind of, his, his roles are similar to what Ed Warner had last year, but I think the philosophy and the routes are going to be a little bit different. So you're going to, I think, see some different plays and different calls and they're going to utilize some guys differently, you know, and, and, They've mentioned Zinter quite a bit. He's a younger guy. They seem clearly high on him. Josh Gaddis had called him potentially. He could. He said that Zinter could eventually become one of their best offensive players, which is, I thought was pretty telling of what they they think of him. So it sounds like yes, he's 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 played in the past right guard, but it sounds like they're moving. They're going to utilize him in center at center, and that's I think going to be going to be I think um, interesting to see how they a how they utilize him and, and what in what situations that that happens. You know who I think is a, a player to watch along the offensive line this year? And I was thinking about this kind of today and, and before the podcast and just after some of these availabilities is I, I think this is a huge year for Trent A. Jones. I mean, this was a guy that he was just ranked just outside of the top 100 in that 2019 class. I, I know linemen can take a little bit longer to develop, but it's year three now for him. He's gotten some praise here in, in fall camp and, and in spring. Is this the year where he kind of, puts it all together and can and, and develop into a solid, at least 
backup option along the offensive line being a, a highly touted prospect out of high school. So I think that's one guy that I'll, I'm going to be paying the most attention to this year to see if he can kind of put things together and, and earn, earn a role here is, is his third year in Ann Arbor. I'm glad you brought him up because Jim has mentioned too. I mean, he's in the running to start at right tackle. If they move Zinter to center and stupid to right guard, it, it sounds like they like what they see out of him. Uh, he's right there, you know, emerging to potentially be a starter. Uh, so the, Michigan's got options here. And I, that's something Jim acknowledged on Friday. They can do different things with these guys and they've got different options, which is a good thing, uh, especially if they plan on running the football a little bit more and, and do some, doing some different things offensively. So uh, I think you're going to see more of an emphasis running the football this fall. They're going to try and establish the run, which in a way kind of goes against what Josh Gaddis was was preaching when he first got here, speed in space and seemed to be hitting, you know, he's going to throw the ball over the, all over the place and everything else. But like, they're going to utilize his offensive line. They're deep, they're experienced. Uh, so why not? We're going to keep, keep going with some position groups, but uh, first want to say a couple of things. One, we've got this kickoff event. Okay, it's next week. It's next Thursday, August 26th in the evening time. 6.30 is the start time, I believe. I guess there's the, the VIP event is a, little, is a little earlier than that, but 6.30 for sure. You can get into the virtual event. So it'll be the, the three of us and some special guests, some you know, alumni, former Michigan players, talking about this 2021 Michigan football team, previewing it. Um, and uh, yeah, you can, it's free. Click uh, on mlive.com slash Wolverines um, and you will see various links um, to, to reserve your ticket. So it's free, but you can't just show up, you know, at, at 630. We're not just sending out some link, uh, you know, to posting it on social media or anything. You've got to uh, sign up in advance and RSVP. You guys have prom- been promoting it the last few podcast episodes I've heard. But yeah, we've got a good, uh, good number of people already registering and we hope, we hope to have as many as possible in this thing. Yeah, I think there's a live auction, some signed memorabilia from Jim Harbaugh, Lloyd Carr, and uh, Jake Rudock's going to be there. Jehu Chesson's going to be there. We've added Mike Martin, so some familiar names to some of the some of you who have followed the program for a while. Uh, yeah, we're just going to be hanging out. We're going to be kind of talking, whatever you guys want. We'll be taking questions. I think trivia's lined up. Prizes are planned. Uh, we'll talk about the opener against Western Michigan. Uh, you know, it should be, should be fun. Absolutely. It'll be, it'll be like this, but you know, you'll be able to watch it live and ask questions during it. And uh, yeah, there'll be, there'll be, you know, structure to it as far as, you know, going down the, the team and the storylines to watch and things like that. So uh, yeah, we'll, we, we hope to see you there. Then the other thing was from Harbaugh's press conference, he, he was asked about the vaccination rate for the team. Um, and he said, it's about, he, he wouldn't give, a specific percentage, but it was, it was higher than the 95 or, or 96. It was at, at some point in the recent past, but it's not at hundred. He said, I think he might've said 97, 98, something like that. But he did say all the staff was vaccinated. So um, that meant that there's, you know, two or three players just based on the math that aren't yet. Uh, so that's good news. I mean, you want to see him get to a hundred. And as far as I understand, they have to, because uh, the university of Michigan, like many, many schools is, uh, having a a mandate for vaccination in order to you know be be a, to be enrolled as a student at the university this year. So obviously all football players are that as well. Um, so I think it's just a timing thing. It'll they you know they they will they will sometime in these next couple of weeks before school starts. Is that is that your impression as well? 
That's my read. Yeah, Jim did say high 90s. I think a spokesperson jumped in there and said 98.5, the estimated percentage. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much almost everyone. Um, it, the football team's an interesting spot because many of these guys, in fact, everyone practicing is enrolled, and some of them have been for months. So they kind of got in before the the university came in and mandated this. But, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have to – they're gonna have to make everyone do it. I don't know what the repercussions are gonna be if if there's a hand couple of guys that aren't. Uh, that question hasn't been answered yet. But again, they still have a couple more weeks till classes don't start at U of M until the week. I think it's the week of the first game, so August thirtieth. I want to say is their first day. So I think at that point you have to have what at least one shot, if not two. Um, so at, they do have a couple of weeks. I suspect they're all gonna, they're they're gonna get there. Um, they're about as close as you can without without. Um, but certainly a, a good sign, I think, heading, heading forward. Do you guys think any college football games are going to be postponed this year because of COVID? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. probably an easy yes for any. But yeah, I mean, but I, but I sure hope it's a normal, much more, looks much more like 2019 than 2020. I'll say that. <laughs> I don't think it'll be as widespread as we saw last year, obviously, but I think you'll see the occasional game that has to get postponed because there's been an outbreak with some school or some team. Um, because remember, it's important to point out here, all it takes is you know, one team. So, yeah, I think you'll see it. I, how the conferences or how these leagues handle it, whether they count as a forfeit or try and make them up, or, is going to be interesting. And how that potentially impacts, you know, conference races or the playoff would be fascinating, too. Um, so it should be, should be quite interesting. I don't expect Michigan to be involved with that much. Uh, but it's important to remember, I mean, if you are vaccinated, you can still get the virus and right. you can still come down ill and, and everything else. The Big Ten hasn't announced their policies yet i know they were collecting information and suggestions from all the big 10 schools they're they're going to have something announced here before the start of the season i haven't seen anything yet um but how they handle this will be will be interesting i think the, mo the most fascinating to me let's kind of wrap up with anything anything else from from harbaugh's or other again other position groups he hit on yeah either you what were what were some takeaways that we haven't uh, discussed here yet for me, at least, and I can't speak for Ryan, but the most interesting line Jim Harbaugh had on Friday was with regards to the defensive line, I thought. You know, he was asked about the interior and the different looking fronts and the like, and he, he went down the, the depth chart and the different guys he, he you know, he feels like are going to be involved with the defensive line, but then he finished with the, fr quote, the front is coming together and I'm feeling better and actually good about it. It tells me, you know, they, they genuinely like what they see up front with the defensive line, um, not only with the talent there, but I think they actually have some depth, especially inside. Um, you know, he complimented Donovan Jeter, who we, I feel like we, he, he gets compliments at some point every offseason for the last couple of years. Um, but he complimented Mozzie Smith. Apparently he's been having a good camp. And then you've got Chris Hinton there who's expected to, to, uh, to start. Um, although Mike McDonald had some interesting comments about him a few weeks ago, I thought, and yet, I guess he was slow kind of getting the defense back in the spring, but apparently he's gotten it together. But then you've got Jess Spade and Harbaugh mentioned Chris Jenkins. So they like what they have there. And you obviously got Jordan Whitley, the grad transfer from, from Oregon State. So I, I think that Michigan is going to be more disruptive up front. I, I don't think you're going to see them give up the massive holes that you saw last year in some of those big games. Now, whether they can win games or not, I don't know. But it sounds like they're feeling a little bit better about the defensive line, especially the interior. You know, the edges, I think Michigan just assumes are going to be fine because you got A. Hutchinson and you got Taylor Upshaw there. I'm a little concerned about the depth behind them, but as long as they can stay healthy, I think, I think you're going to see a drastically improved defensive line from a year ago. That's a good point. And what I've been thinking, too, and we've heard so much about this 3-4, 3-4, 3-4, but 
when you're looking at depth along the offensive line, I think they have more in depth along the interior with Mozzie Smith, Chris and Donovan Jeter. So I mean, I'm wondering how much you're going to see two of the guys, two of those guys on the field at the same time compared to, uh, and, or are you going to have Aiden and Taylor Upshaw on the field for, I don't know, 75, 85% of the snaps and just one of those defensive tackles out there. It's going to be interesting to see how they mix and match the, the, their front um, to kind of utilize, to play their new style, style and scheme, but also get the best players out there. Um, so, yeah, that's I'm glad you brought that up. I am really looking forward to seeing how they use these defensive linemen this, this season. And, and a name Jim brought up the other day when he was talking about the ends, you know, he mentioned Aiden Hutchinson, obviously we, we expect to play, you know, a ton, like you said, and probably he'll, he's, he's poised for a breakout year. We all, I think, assume that Taylor Upshaw is going to be that other guy on the other side. Um, but Jim Harbaugh mentioned David Ajabo first the other day. And I don't know if that was, a, you know, on purpose or not, but he said Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo are doing a great job on the edges. So is Taylor Upshaw. So it sounds like Ajabo is pushing for a starting job or extended playing time. Ajabo is a little different. Obviously, he comes in as more a, you know, a, a traditional linebacker mold, traditional size. He was, I think, projected to be kind of that viper type or that edge rusher type guy when, when, when Don Brown brought him in. So it sounds like Ajabo's going to probably, he's probably going to be number three there. Maybe he's sharing time with, sharing reps with Upshaw, but you got him fighting there too. You know, he mentioned Mike Morris, Braden McGregor, some guys behind, you know, behind them. The other ones played a ton. So that's, that's why I'm the concerns with, concerned there with depth. But as long as they can stay healthy, if Aiden can stay healthy, I, I really like this defensive line. It's starting to grow on me. I mean, we'll see how they're utilized. Obviously, it's a new scheme, and that's my biggest concern with this entire thing. You can pump up this defense. You can talk about all the guys returning. But, you know, how, how lost are they going to look week one? Because I, I'm expecting it to some degree. Everything is not going to be perfect. Everything is not going to be shiny and rosy to, to start. There's going to be some growing pains. It's just a matter of how long those growing pains take for, that, for them to gel as a unit. Especially with a, you know, legitimate you know, power conference team like Washington coming in in the, in the second week. All right, Ryan, was there, any, was there anything else that you, you had to? No, I think that about covers that. I just, of course, the... The Eric All hype train is beginning to pick up steam in the spring. And Harbaugh mentioned him again and, and having a good spring, but I um, mean that happens every year. So uh, I think I think we basically covered it. I don't think we're going to see the tight end utilized as much as we think this year. And maybe this is my hot take or whatever. You know, All showed last year he couldn't hold on to the ball, you know, consistently. I don't know what the situation is like in practice. I don't know if he's catching everything or he's dropping passes there too, but. He'll probably get some reps early. He'll get some opportunities early on. And if he, he can't show that he's reliable catching the ball, I don't know what else they do with a tight end position other than use it, you know, in a, in a run blocking scheme or situation when they're, when they're running the ball. So uh, we'll see how often the tight ends utilize in the passing game. I'm sure Michigan's tight ends are better blockers than Tim Tebow though, already. Yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, brutal. That was so bad. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, much of Harbaugh's comments were about I feel like the blocking and the, the physicalness and all that. So it'll be uh be no, another thing to watch. Well, like I said, we've got this we've got this event coming up next week. Uh we hope to see you there on, on the twenty sixth. But in the meantime, you can read our coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverine. Thank you for listening.